May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. All right, good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I want to welcome those that are joining us by live video feed, as well as those that are watching on the internet, those that are listening on a podcast, listening on a CD, traveling down the road in your car, or wherever you are. So glad you're with us, because today is the beginning of a very, very important week. In fact, this is the most important week of the year because the most important day of the year is on its way. And that most important day is Easter. Yeah. And I agree with you. I like Christmas better too. Okay? I get that. But if you're a Christ follower, Easter is the most important day of the year because the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ happened on Easter. And without the crucifixion and resurrection, the truth is, there is no Christianity. Because the crucifixion is why Jesus came to this earth. The resurrection is proof that the forgiveness that Jesus offered us by dying on the cross is real. And so the crucifixion and resurrection are incredibly important for every Christ follower, which makes Easter the most important day of the year, which makes the week leading up to Easter the most important week of the year. So we want to take this week to help get our hearts prepared for Easter Sunday, which is next Sunday. Now... About a month ago, I led a group of people from our church to the Holy Land for a 10-day tour of Israel. And now some of you already know this because you follow me on Twitter and you saw the pictures. So um, this is also my shameless plug to get you to follow me on Twitter if you don't already. So, um, So make sure that you do that. But while we were in Israel, one of the places we saw was the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's the place where Jesus was betrayed the night that he was crucified. And yeah, I mean, it, it is still in the exact place where it was in Jesus' day. I mean, you can go there. And it's incredible. So to prepare our hearts for Easter, what I want us to do is I want us to look at what happened that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, in case you're new to the Bible, That night, Jesus was betrayed by Judas, one of his disciples, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus was arrested, taken away, and he was crucified about 12 hours later, okay? So Gethsemane is the first in a chain of events that led to the crucifixion of Christ. And so we want to start today in the Garden of Gethsemane and learn the lessons there and allow God to use that to start a chain of events in our hearts to prepare us for Easter. Now, the truth is, the lessons in the Garden of Gethsemane are not unique to Easter. That means, what I mean by this, you can learn the lessons that we're going to talk about today in any season of the year. But if we will learn these lessons here in preparation for Easter, then our faith will be much deeper, 
are trusting God will be much deeper and we will be that much more prepared for Easter Sunday. Because on the flip side, if we don't let what happened in Gethsemane change us, then Easter Sunday is going to come and go just like a lot of Easter's before. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get up, the, the kids will hunt Easter eggs, we'll come to church and, you know, hear a great message about, you know, Jesus in the empty tomb. We'll go home, eat a big lunch with all the family, take a nap, and then Monday will happen. And then Tuesday will happen. And our lives will look pretty much like they looked before Easter. Not much will change. But if we will take the lessons at the Garden of Gethsemane and let them filter down into our hearts and let that start a chain of events where our faith and our trust in God is deepened, then how much more glorious will that glorious Sunday be? I mean, how much more would God do in your heart and in my heart? How much more would God do in our families? How much more would God do in our church? How much more would God do in the lives of the people that are going to come to church on Easter Sunday for the very first time? I mean, how much more would God do in the lives if, of, of our community if several thousand people decided that they were going to let the truths of the Garden of Gethsemane filter down in their hearts and let them be forever changed, right? So, pull out your message notes. Let's get started. And let's start by asking this question. What does God want me to do to prepare my heart for Easter? What does God want me to do to prepare my heart for Easter? Well, the first thing is this, is that I need to trust that everything God does is intentional. <clears throat> I need to trust that everything God does is intentional. I want you to look at this first verse in Matthew chapter 26. Verse 36, then Jesus, went to his, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Now, I want you to circle a place called Gethsemane. That's as far as I want to get in this first point. <clears throat> now, if you've heard of Gethsemane before, you've probably heard it referred to as the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? It's not a garden like we think of, okay? It's actually an olive grove. And it's still an olive grove today. In fact, here's a wide shot picture of the Garden of Gethsemane as it looks today. Now, in Jesus' day, it didn't have these stone paths, but all the trees were in the same place. And so it was just a grove of olive trees. Okay? Now, let me show you a picture of a single olive tree that is still in the Garden of Gethsemane today. I, I, I took this with my iPhone like a month ago. I'm going to show you how amazing God is. Now, <clears throat> most trees in nature grow from a seed. But an olive tree has a second unique way to replace itself. Now, on this picture, off to the right, you'll see a, a kind of a trunk sticking out. It's outlined in red, okay? This is the trunk of the old olive tree, which is actually now dead. And it's being held up by like just two, you know, wooden pieces uh, just so that it doesn't, you know, completely fall down and rot. Now, that original tree, again, has died and is about 
2,500 years old. Now, there are trees in the Garden of Gethsemane that are still alive that are almost 3,000 years old. So you know what that means? That means that many of the trees in the Garden of Gethsemane were there that night that Jesus was betrayed. Man, I'm telling you, if those trees could talk, wow, what could they tell us? So, out of that same root system of this tree, another tree has grown. Let's outline that in yellow. This is the current olive tree that, you know, is blossoming and producing olives. That tree is about 1,700 years old, you know, give or take 100 years or so. But then, out of that same root system has begun to grow another tree. Let's outline that one. That tree is between 40 and 50 years old, you know, a mere sapling in olive tree standards, okay? So, the olive tree is one of the only trees in nature that can replace itself in this manner, okay? Now, here's your fill-in. The olive tree is also called the resurrection tree, It's known as the resurrection tree because it can literally resurrect itself from the same root system. I mean, isn't that incredible? So get this, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, God allowed that to happen in a grove of resurrection trees to foreshadow what God was going to do just three days later. I mean, isn't that incredible? How cool is that? Okay, now, it gets even better. The word Gethsemane is the Hebrew word for olive press. Okay, that's your next feeling. It's the Hebrew word for olive press. Now, in Jesus' day, there was likely a a stone olive press somewhere in that grove of trees where when they harvested the olives, they would take them over to this stone press and they would crush the olives so, and then they would harvest the oil that would rise to the top. And so that was a foreshadow of just as olives were crushed in the olive press, so Jesus' body was going to be crushed by the chain of events that started in Gethsemane. You see, After Jesus was betrayed, he was arrested and taken away. And then he was was beaten. He had chunks of his beard and his hair just pulled out. He was whipped until his back was ribbons. He had a crown of thorns shoved down onto his head that dug into the bone. And then he was crucified. I mean, literally, his body was crushed. And God sent Jesus to a place called the Olive Press as a foreshadow of what was going to happen to his son, Jesus. I mean, isn't that incredible? I mean, so our Heavenly Father... He doesn't do anything by accident. It's not like, like he turned to the angels and said, did you know that stuff about the resurrection tree? Like, that was amazing. 
Hey, and did you know about the olive press and the name that? No, none of that happened. I mean, think about it like this. God is the one who created the olive tree to resurrect itself. Because I think God had that night that his son would be betrayed in mind. And God prompted someone to put an olive press in that grove and in that grove be renamed because he had that night in mind. Now that's incredible. Okay, so why does any of this matter? Well, it means that our Heavenly Father is intentional about everything that he does. He doesn't do anything by accident. He is deliberate. He has a purpose in mind. There is a reason behind it all. Okay, now, let me pause and just clarify here for just a second. I am not talking about things that happen to you in your life that are, are a result of your sinful choices or the sinful choices of someone else, okay? God did not do that. God did not arrange that. Those things are a result of just the free will of man making sinful choices. I'm not talking about any of those things. But what I am talking about are the things that God does and the things that God allows that are not the result of sinful choices. Like when you move or when you change jobs, change careers, change cubicles, you get promoted, you know, a new opportunity opens up, another one shuts down, you get pregnant, or you have trouble becoming pregnant, you know, you're accepted into this college, you're not accepted into that college, a family member needs to move in, you know, maybe something unexpected happens that you, that you like, maybe something unexpected happens that you don't like, and, and the list just goes on and on and on and on, but my point is, is that what God does and what God allows are not accidental. They're not incidental, okay? They're intentional. It's intentional. So here's the kicker. That means that you have to trust God in it all. You have to trust God in it all. When thing ha things happen that you don't understand, or that you don't have control over, and if you did, you never would have drawn it up like that. It's, even in, it's in all of those moments that you have to trust God because God doesn't do anything by accident, including where he sent his son on the night he was betrayed. Everything is by God's design. See, God has a purpose and a design behind everything. And just because you might not understand the purpose and the design behind it doesn't mean that there's not one. It just simply means that you don't understand it. And so when you don't understand, you have to choose to trust God. So would you be the kind of person that would be willing to say, you know, I mean, right here, right now, would you be willing to say to God, God, I will trust you. No matter what happens, no matter where you take me, no matter what you ask me to do, no matter what, God, I trust you. Would you be willing to pray that this morning? Because look, here's the thing. 
if you would, and we become that kind of, of people, oh, then we're prepared for Easter. Now, there's a second thing that we need to do to prepare our hearts for Easter, and that's this. Number two, I need to pray for strength to follow through with following Jesus. I need to pray for strength to follow through with following Jesus. I want you to look at what happens in the Garden of, Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Now, I want you to underline all of verse 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, the one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Verse 56. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Okay, now, I want you to look at that sentence that I had you underline. Verse 41, it says, Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing and the body is weak. Okay, so Jesus tells the disciples to watch and pray that they don't fall into, into temptation. What's the temptation that he's talking about? What, what does he say? I, now, I used to think that the, that the temptation was, you know, to not fall asleep while they were supposed to be praying, okay? Because, you know, like, falling asleep while you're praying, like, that's bad, right? Okay? I mean, you know, have you ever been like, you know, okay, God, I will follow you for the rest of my... <coughs> right? Okay, like, that's bad, right? But here's the thing. It's not a sin. Now, for some of you, that brings so much relief that, like, you, you're done. Like, you're out. Like, whoo! Hallelujah! I'm okay. You know, like, because you've done that before. Okay? 
I might have done that before at some point. But it's not a sin. So, okay, so what is the temptation that Jesus is referring to here? Okay, he's referring to what happens in the last verse that we read, verse 56. It says, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. See, the temptation was to desert Jesus and stop following him when it got tough to follow him. Okay, that was the temptation. And by the way, the disciples slept. And so they didn't pray for the strength to follow Jesus when it was tough. And so you know what? When it got tough, when the guards came to arrest Jesus, they fled. They fled. And so you know what? If you and I don't pray for the strength to follow through with following Jesus, then when the choices get tough, you and I will desert, the, will desert Jesus, just like the disciples did. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Okay, what do I mean by that? I mean that, well, you know, while you're sitting here in church, or, you know, while you're, you know, watching you know, on the internet or while, you know, while you're listening to a CD driving down the road, okay, it's pretty easy to follow Jesus, you know, because, you know, we're all amped up. We're geared up for it, right? But when the choices get tough, things change. For instance, when your boyfriend asks you to move in with him and you don't want to lose him because, you know, you think that he might be the one but yet, you know what Jesus says about sex outside of marriage. Then following through with following Jesus is tough. Or let's just say that you, you just took a new job and you really, really love this job. But two months in, your boss comes to you and asks you, the best strategy to steal a client from your previous employer because they are a competitor in the same industry. Now, that would violate, like, who knows how many disclosure laws, but your boss is true. She's like, oh, like, it's almost impossible to get caught. Like, don't worry about that. And by the way, that's how things get done around here. But yet you know what Jesus says about obeying the law and being honest and trustworthy. And so following Jesus, following through with following Jesus is tough. Well, let me give you another one. You know, perhaps for you, there's uh, you know, three families that live down the street from you. Now, one of them has just moved in. The other two have been there long enough now, and you still haven't met them, that if you walk down and introduce yourself, like, it's going to be awkward, because, like, that should have happened a long time ago. But yet, you know that, you know, you've got these invite cards to invite people to come to Easter service at the park. So, you know, should I go down there and, like, start this awkward, weird conversation that, you know, that might be a little, like, odd? 
Or should I just should I just let the holiday like quietly slip by and not really do anything? Because I mean they're not asking you about church, and they're not, and you don't want to come across as pushy. But yet, you know what Jesus has said about reaching out to other people. And so now all of a sudden, following through with following Jesus is tough. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and I wonder, I wonder if Peter and the other disciples, if they had been able to stay awake and pray for the strength to follow Jesus and not desert Jesus, I wonder if things would have worked out a little bit differently in the Garden of Gethsemane that night. Now, not that Jesus wouldn't have been crucified. Okay, that was part of God's plan. That was going to happen no matter what. But I wonder if they would have stayed with Jesus so that Jesus wouldn't have had to go through all of that alone. But here's the thing. We'll never know because the disciples didn't watch and pray for the strength to follow through with following Jesus. So to prepare your heart for Easter, one of the things that you need to do is you need to watch and pray by praying for the strength to follow through with following Jesus no matter what. And we gain strength by, by praying for it. We gain strength by reading the Bible. And we gain strength by doing the things that God wants us to do. And one of the th- things he wants us to do in preparation for Easter is to invite as many people as we can to church on Easter Sunday. Because Easter Sunday is the one Sunday of the year when people are more open to an invitation to come to church than any other single Sunday of the year. In fact, next Sunday... I'm kicking off a brand new series called More Than a Story, okay? We're going to look at some of the most famous stories in the Bible, and we're going to start with the empty tomb, and we're going to discover some things that perhaps we never knew before about each of these stories. In fact, um, our stage team, they're incredible, they have have built uh, an eight-foot pop-up book And there'll be a different pop-up scene out of this book for each one of the messages in this series. I mean, it's going to be incredible. So you take that and you couple it with the truth of God's word and with the music and with our kids' ministry and our youth ministry. I'm telling you, this is going to be an incredible series that God's going to use to change literally hundreds of people's lives. But we have to invite them to come because on Easter Sunday, again, people are more open to an invitation to come than any other time of the year. And more people will become Christ followers on Easter Sunday all over the world than any other single Sunday of the entire year. So let's leverage that for God. And let's allow him to prepare our hearts for Easter by telling him, God, I trust you no matter what because I know that nothing you ever do is accidental. It's all intentional. God, I'm committing to follow through with following your son Jesus no matter what. And I'm willing to invite as many people as I can. Because not only do you want to do things in me, but you want to do things in them. And so God, prepare my heart and their hearts for what you want to do on Easter. So would you do that?
So, find your connection card. Let's take some next steps to making that happen for all of us, all right? Perhaps it's this first next step. I commit to trust God even when I don't understand why. Would that be you? Would you commit to trust God even when you don't understand? It's a great commitment. Next, I will watch and pray this week by reading my Bible and praying every day until Easter. By checking this box, you're saying, you know what? I'm not going to miss a single day. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray every single day for a week, not missing one. Would you make that commitment? It would be a great thing to do to get your heart ready for Easter. Next, I will read the four accounts of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ this week. So if you don't know where to read, this would be a great one to do. And they're found in Matthew, and these are chapters, okay? It's chapters 26 through 28, Mark 14 through 16, Luke 22 through 24, and John 18 through 20. Would you read all four of those this week in preparation for Easter? Next, I will invite at least five people to Easter services at the park. Look, in your seat, there's a, a little pack, let's see if I can find mine, my little pack of five invite cards. Take these cards, invite people to Easter services. I mean, I've got a whole stack of these in my truck, you know, and every time I, like, I pull through at Sonic, I always give one of these cards to that, you know, little guy at the window who's getting my order wrong. <laughs> because I know he needs Jesus, right? Okay? So would you take your cards and would you invite as many people as you can to Easter? And look, and here's the thing, if there's an open seat beside you, would you just maybe take that as God's prompting that he wants you to perhaps invite 10 and grab those cards and invite more? But invite as many people as you can to Easter service on Sunday. So I'm telling you, God's got some great things in store. All right, next. I commit to follow through with following Jesus even if the decision is tough. Would you give God your yes now? Well, it's easy. So you can keep it when it's tough. Or this last one. I will pray the prayer today to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Now look, if you've checked this box before, or this little space before, you don't need to check it again. But if you've never become a Christ follower, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and pledge your life to following him, and you're willing to do that, then there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Pray that prayer today. And if you do, check the box, because we want to send you some information in the mail, and I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a table just before you walk outside of each of these doors of this room. So I'm going to give everybody a chance to pray and, follow, and ask God to help you follow through with the decisions you've made. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. Let's all take these next moments to pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane and how the truths of what happened that night have the power to filter down in our hearts to deepen our faith and deepen our trust in you. And so I ask that for all of us, that it would, that you would help each one of us trust you more, have faith in you more, follow you more. And I ask that we use that 
as a commitment to prepare our hearts. And I ask that you prepare the hearts of the people that we are inviting to Easter Sunday so you can do something great in them as well. And I ask you to do all of this in the name of the one who is one to sacrifice his life for us all. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.